When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the family with L.A. Nick and Andy Brampernard. And Catherine and Alex aren't here yet. Shock of the century. How did it ever happen? <laughs> we will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Bickler, special guest course. Dave saying, Eye of the Tiger. Da, 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 da. Something like that. Even the fight? Not even close. <laughs> it didn't go da 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 da. Those are not the lyrics. All right, never mind then. We will be back with Dave Bickler, the voice of Eye of the Tiger, Dave Bickler on second solo album. Uh, Dave will join us right after this with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right. Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. 
And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders. When your business banks with us, you're not training in a new inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Actually. There is indeed. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Catherine's just about to sit down, which is a good thing. But um, a new record from yesterday. Um, no, actually, excuse me, from this morning. Yesterday, they set a new record. I had I, I clocked a car on 100, doing 130 <laughs> miles an hour. Jeez. Broke it this morning, 169, headed no, north, 150 no. miles an hour. No way. You know how you t- time it from bridge to bridge? Yeah. And you know how far it is, so therefore you know how fast they're going. 150 miles an hour. That car was almost flying. What kind of car was it? Just I curious. Know. I have no idea. Because not that many cars can handle that crate at 150 no, miles an hour. I don't think this car could either. It, it went by so fast you couldn't tell the maker model? Yeah, really. Well, I mean, every car looks the same now. All cars well, look the same. Well, that's true. Not mine. <clears throat> yeah, no. true. Vintage cars do not look the same. They do not. Dave, ready to go? Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Bickler with us. How you doing, Dave? Hey, good. How are you? Magnificent. Well, now that you're here, Dave, everything's fantastic. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking well. about. <clears throat> I was just told, by the way, when I saw that you were going to be on, I started singing your song, and L.A. Nick said, not even close. Not even so, close. So thanks. Really it's actually great. a hard song well, to sing. I've heard that, too, about me. So. <laughs> Good job, Dave. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Bickler with us promoting the album Dark Light, the voice of Eye of the Tiger, Dave Bickler, on second solo album. Uh, Dave Bickler hits the late show. Stephen Colbert commences work on second solo album. Now, when when you were on the Colbert show, you didn't have to hang out with Paul Mercurio, did you? The the guy who warms up the audience. No, I I didn't. I didn't. Well, I, I I've been on. I've been with Stephen Colbert twice. Back in 2012, I did the the, the, the Colbert Report. You know, I was on that sure, on his original sure. show, and then this this latest iteration of me. That was all though done from Zoom here at home, and uh, I I don't think Paul was was in on the on the Zoom call. Oh, but that's it was all true. Done Virtual. Quickly. It had to happen really mm-hmm. really fast. Well, the great thing about Paul Mercurio is that he's a very good friend of mine. He's a dear friend, but uh, you're so lucky you didn't have to hang out with him because he's crazy. But, you know, other than that. It's funny because the, the guy who warms up Jimmy Kimball, Don Barris, is also crazy. Well, they are. They're nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I actually like that. Yeah, oh, I know, Dave. I agree with you. I, I love it uh, as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice it's on the most... Gen- it's, a, it's a genius thing, I mean, you know, to see that, like, you know... On that level. Oh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. These guys are very, very... Well, he's a nice Italian boy from Rhode Island, so how bad can he be, right? <laughs> that explains it. <clears throat> that explains it. That's exactly right, Dave. That explains it. Where are you from originally? 
I was, uh, I, my road, is, my journey is I began in North Dakota. I was born in North Dakota. That's what I thought. Huh. Really? Which is, which is a distinction because not many people can actually say that. Which town? Which uh, town? I was born in Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, Bismarck. Capital. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. My wife's from from that from Minot, partial, and how her her, her, her yeah. whole family now lives in Bismarck. Yeah, living in Minnesota, it's not too hard to find somebody right. that was born in no, North Dakota. No, <laughs> pretty easy. Yeah, sure. yeah. They all move here. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> yeah. So you're born in North Dakota. Then where'd you go? Went to Minnesota. How did that happen, Dave? Nobody ever does that. It's the migration. My yeah. dad got trans. My dad got went to work for Amico Oil, and uh, oh, so yeah. we moved to Wil- Wilmer, Minnesota. Sure. Uh-huh. Where are my husbands from? There. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small, small world. world. I thought you guys would like that. Yeah, I just got her husbands from uh, from yeah. uh, from there. Yeah. Born just, raised. It is magnificent. I love the descriptor here, Dave, because it says the voice on one of the most instantly recognizable and celebrated rock anthems of all time. That's quite an honor to be named one of the most instantly recognizable voices in all of music. You know, it's crazy. You know, the really crazy thing, too, is that little kids, you know, I get little kids, you know, from people I meet and stuff, oh my, you know, their they're little ones are... They're familiar with Eye of the Tiger, so that's why the song can never die, because there's always a new bunch of youngsters coming up that are going to be indoctrinated. So there you go. And you've been very, you've been very blessed that it's been used in a lot of things. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it, it gets it used really a lot. That's crazy. <laughs> I think it's just yep, terrific. It's crazy. Plus the the way the the song starts, it just you know the song started because it's. Bam, 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 bam. It's it's one of the songs that one note in, you already know what's uh, what's coming. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. It's a great song. My biggest question is, why does it take you so long to come out in the second album? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. (laughs) It's a long time. Well, 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 it's a a work in progress. um, The the COVID um, sort of slowed things up, Mm, for sure. sure. I mean, it would have been out in... And also, um, you know, my... My my wife last last year in May of last year she uh, fell off the back. She was up there doing some gardening, weeding stuff, so like a retaining wall in our backyard, and she she fell off there and hit her head. She got Ooh. a concussion, Ooh. and that also you know sort of made uh, you know slowed me down as far as you know working on the on the recordings and stuff. But it held me up. So, but maybe it turned out good because uh, maybe it's a better time this year to come out with an album than yeah, it you might have been you might be right. COVID. Yep. No, I think that's true. Now, are you going to go on? Uh, are you going to you going to go on tour to support the album? Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, it certainly looks like things are starting to open up. Funny, I've actually got some uh, uh, something coming up in Greece in September. Like the fall seems to be um, when you know people are going to feel comfortable going out again, as far as you know, all the doing uh, live concerts. What's What's your date in September? I'll, I'll actually be over that way in September. Really? Yeah. Oh, you know, I have to get I have to get back to you because I just looked at the email at Don Carey. It's it's a rock versus classic. It's at the Orpheus something. I I I, I didn't. I was gonna look it up and figure out where where it was, but I haven't done it yet. Not. I I, I don't know if I could find it quick, but I could get back to you on that one. Yeah. But, yeah. I'll um, send you a message. I think on... it's September twenty fourth, twenty third, twenty fourth. I think. Yeah. I'll be over 24th, that way. Twenty fourth. Oh no, that'd be great. You could come to that. It's really kind of fun because it's. 
playing songs with a symphony orchestra, you know, in, in, a, in an open air theater. Yeah, and, and, so and show, just, shows in Europe are just cool. shows in Europe are just totally different. They're just better. <laughs> are they? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The crowd's way more respectful. Very, very valued over in Europe. Yes, sure. music is very valued though there more than it is here. No. Yeah, we throw it away, don't we, here in yeah. America? <laughs> a little bit we do, just because of the fact that, you know, uh, I, I've known Frank Stallone for many, many years, and Frank, of course, in the same movie, Eye of the Tiger, uh, came out in, so I, I, let me yeah, just say yeah. this, Dave, that was L.A. Nick, run the other way. That's all I'm saying, Dave. Tell him you're going to meet him, and then just never show up. It's the wise thing to do. I'm just telling you, Dave. Whatever, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel I'm, for, I'm forewarned. You're yeah. forewarned, exactly. Now, Eye of the Tiger. Um, the, the, first of all, who? how many people were involved in writing Eye of the Tiger? Well, it was the, the two guys, uh, the, uh, Jim Peterick and Frank Sullivan, the guitar player, okay. the keyboard player. They, they were the writers in the band at that time. And, uh, you know, we, we really had to rush quickly to get that get that together because you know the production uh, of the movie was was moving ahead and you know so uh, we had to get that written and in the, get in the studio we had about a week and so we God. went to the studio in chicago and cut the demo that we sent out to sylvester Stallone, which he loved and but the thing was um the production schedule was so moving along so fast that that ended up being in the movie the demo we recut oh, it for the album sure, which sure. is what you heard on the radio um, that that Eye of the Tiger was uh, cut at Rumba Recorders in, in uh, uh, at Canoga Park, but uh, uh, the demo was on the in the movie and on the on the movie soundtrack because it wasn't time. Dave, did you know? Because I got the first time I ever heard it, went man, that's a good song. Did you know, uh, or did you sense at the at the beginning this was going to be such a big hit? Well, I knew <clears throat> I knew one thing that it was going to be in that movie. Oh and the Rocky, I knew the the Rocky franchise was you know people were really looking forward to Rocky Three. It was it was a lot of a lot of attention and hype for that for sure. So I knew that was good. Um, but I, I did have a feeling about the song. But then, of course, every musician will say that I knew it was going to be a hit right, <laughs> but, <laughs> right but away. It, but in reality, you never know. But but that it, it was the best promotional device of all time. Oh yeah. Oh God, I gotta that's believe that's true. Yeah, I gotta believe that's. Absolute. I went to the I went to the theater, you know, to see the movie. And people did a, like a standing ovation after the opening sequence, and that's when I knew that it was the perfect promotional vehicle of all time. Well, it works both like, ways wow. too. It helps the movie a lot too, though. Oh, the song helped the movie a lot. No, I mean, you're right. It really did. Yeah, no, it, it, since it was written specifically for it, which, I, which was unusual for the time, you know, for a rock band to do something like that. But um, so. Yeah, it really did fit hand in glove with, with the action. So it, it, it was a win-win, for by, sure. By the way, Dave, you did tip your hand there. For all the people listening around the world that don't know where North Dakota nor Minnesota is, <laughs> Dave, Dave just tipped his hand by saying, I went to the theater. They yeah. only say that in northern Minnesota and North Dakota. It's the only places they say Yeah, it. you're right. It's true. I love that, Dave. Hey, I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, some Minnesota. of that stuff, people ask me, where are you? You have a funny way <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what's weird about that, Dave? Very quickly, I grew up in, in the inner city of Minneapolis, so I never heard that accent much. My mother had it, but, you know, she was always working, so I never got to talk to her anyway. But 
Honest to God, the, the first time I was downtown at the Dayton's department stores, I don't know if you remember Dayton's or not, big department store, but, um, <clears throat> they're doing I, I, I don't, I was too little, I was too little. <clears throat> oh, pardon me. So listen here, Grandpa Tom. <laughs> no, but it, no, the, the thing was, we, we moved to, you know, then we moved to Chicago. We would yeah. come back, but we'd go right to my grandparents' house, which was in Baldwin. North Dakota, sure. which is the you know way outside of town, way in the middle of the prairie, you know. So, but I, I did, and then and then when we lived in Minnesota, I, I never, we, I don't think we ever went to Minneapolis when I was a kid. Oh, really? I lived there till I was, I lived there till I was eight. All right. Well, the one thing I do love about that, once again, I leave my neighborhood because I didn't really hear the accent too much. Matter of fact, I didn't hear it at all. A little from my mother. But I was down at Dayton's department store downtown Minneapolis. I was probably four or five years old. And I asked my mother, what are they doing? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't, what, I don't understand what they're saying. Are they speaking a different? Because they go, oh, yeah, you know. I'm like, what is <laughs> that? Oh, yeah, you know. Oofta. Oofta. When I first met Nancy, she's talking. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking in tongues or something? <laughs> My mother-in-law says oofty doofty. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. wow! Like a yeah, le- it's a level up. Yeah. Oofty doofty. Yeah. Pretty perceptive for a five-year-old. Pretty perceptive. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, I, I just never heard anything like that. I went, "Why are they talking like that?" I, I never heard. That. I agree. My first experience, I said the same thing. Yeah. What yeah. are you talking in tongues or something? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of little local sayings. (laughs) By the way, I just got a message from from Dave. He sent me, while we were talking, he sent me a text message. He said he's going to write another song, a follow-up, and it's going to call it Oofty Doofty. It'll be great. (laughs) Oofty Doofty. You know, I probably will. Actually, I think if you wrote a song, Oofta, you would get a big response in North Dakota, Minnesota. It would be a hit. Because I don't think anyone's ever done it. Or Ope. Have one market. Up. Yeah. <laughs> one market yeah. sealed up. No, that's that's how you do business. Sealing up that one market. Right. Right. No Please question. Everybody. Is this putting it putting together this uh, the second solo album that, that you've done? A lot of work, obviously, but is it a joy for you to do it as well? Yeah, and you know it really is actually. Yeah, it's uh, it gets me up in the morning. You know. Yeah. It's fun. You know, you and you can do. Uh, it's, it's it's cool now because you can do a lot of uh, high end recording at home. So I, I I can do a lot of work here, and then take it elsewhere or work with other people remotely. You know, it's a, a different different process than going to the full blown you know record plant type studio at you know fifteen hundred dollars a day in nineteen eighty. Right. You know? Oh God. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's it's fun. It's fun to do that. It's fun to you know to record. I, I always I always I still think recording is kind of magical that you can you know record music and play it back. I still, I still think that's kind of magical. Did I have the tiger come out in 1980? It... No, it was 1982. That... Wow, that was our thir- that was our that was our third record. The only reason I ask you that is I cannot believe that was almost 40 years ago. God, ain't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't believe it either. It seems like doesn't seem like yesterday. <laughs> uh, you, you were no. you were well, the you weren't the original singer for Survivor, were you? Oh yes, I was. Oh, you were. Oh yeah. I thought there was a singer before now, you. My, yeah, my re- my replacement was when I left the band in 1984, 85 was Jimmy Jameson. Oh yeah. Uh, another great he's a great singer. Um, 
and uh, we got to be we got to be real good real good buddies, you know. And I do love that. Really? You know, being around music because I've been in radio since I was 18 years old. I uh, went to radio school, took a little time off work to Capitol Records for five, six years, but I just celebrated oh, wow. 50 years in the radio business. But just being around, you know, they, they want to call them one-hit wonders or whatever, but, I mean, a, a good example, the Ides of March vehicle. Everybody knows who that is when that song starts. They had one hit, one major hit anyway, and everyone knows that song. It's just like Eye of the Tiger. Is there anybody you've ever met that never heard Eye of the Tiger, no matter how old they are? You know, there's been like a, maybe one or two people yeah. um, in all of the all of the, all of the time since then that hasn't heard it, which is which is kind of amazing in and of itself, because almost everybody's heard of it wherever I go, no matter where it is in the world, too. God, you know, I got some bad news for you. It's <laughs> really bad news for you, Dave. According yeah. to Billboard magazine, you died a long time ago. Yeah, that's why I said it. Well, you were the original singer because if you if you Google if you Google the band and you go to the singer, it says that you died. All tours of your report should show that lead singer, survivor of such hits as Burning Heat and Die of the Tiger died of a. An, overdo an, overdo an overdose of methamphetamine. Oh, Dave! Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they 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 mixed me up with with Jimmy, who sadly right. died. Um, you oh. know, yeah, and you know the the rumors of my death are, are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> you sound good. You sound great. Yeah, you sound great for a dead guy. They really do. Sound good for a dead guy. <laughs> so who was it that did die? It was Jim Jameson. Oh, okay. Jimmy Jameson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he was a. Uh, you know, um, he had a lot of hits with the band, uh, and then in, in 2013-2014, we all got back together, and we, we uh, played, uh, you know, with, with both of us singing together, which was oh, really, cool. really fun. Yeah, I, that's I don't cool. think, uh, I'm not sure if any of that's ever happened before, where two singers from different eras of bands got actually got on the same stage. So they, it was bands have tried to make it happen. Van Halen tried to make it happen. David Lee Roth would not do it. He wouldn't do it. Nope. Yeah. And uh, Black yeah. Sabbath tried to make it happen, and Ozzy Osbourne wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not surprisingly, right? Right. Yeah. But but me and Jimmy, we were we were really good friends, and uh, um, we'd actually done a few shows together before before that reunion, and uh, so you know we we got along really good. We had no problem. We we would trade songs off and sing that's other, cool. you know, sing each other during the show. So it was really it was really fun. Yeah, really that's cool. cool. So Dave, I mean, looking back now again. Looking back, this this song came out all, 39 years ago, almost 40 years ago, and now here you are sitting here four decades later, nearly, talking about what a great song "Eye of the Tiger" is. And here, I mean, I, isn't it wonderful when what you've done lasts forever? And that song will last forever, no doubt about it. But it it, it seems to have uh, um, again longevity, like I said, because of the. Fact, and it is amazing. I, I got to say, it it, it it does amaze me. Um, um, the, because of the fact that there's always young people, you know, little little guys that that somehow <laughs> pick it up from their parents, I guess, you know, and uh, and also that a team at you know the high school, their 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 football teams, the Tigers. Oh, it's used everywhere. It's used everywhere. That is true. It's everywhere. It's literally that song is everywhere. And they got to learn. They got the bands got to learn out of the Tigers. Yes. 
Well, they do. What do you get? Like a nickel every time they play it on the on the pitch? <laughs> yeah, no. Eagles, <laughs> no, I do. Songwriters, the, the songwriters. Do. Yeah, they do. They get all. Do they still actually own the rights to it? Yes. Oh, that's good. That's pretty rare. It's pretty good. It is. Good. Yeah, it is pretty rare. But it's pretty rare. <laughs> I've just heard some people selling off their catalog just recently. Well, Bob Dylan uh, sold off his catalog. They, yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah, it's true. So, what was it like being on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert? Did you have a lot of fun doing that? Totally, he's the sweetest guy. Oh, that's imaginable. nice to hear. He's so funny, and his uh, you know his his whole staff they just adore him, you know, because he's just a, he's a, just a genuinely nice guy. You know, he's br- he's brilliant. You know, he's 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 just brilliant. You know what's amazing about that, Dave, is whether it's radio or television or I'm sure performing as well, but in radio and television, like people think for some reason that like Stephen Colbert has that hard edge and is crabby all the time. They think that's like really him. Uh, And it is a version of him, but it's a much bigger version of him. Like, you know, everybody on this show right now, it's them. But it's a bigger version of them. I I don't sit around like I'm not going to sit at the uh, at a table today at a restaurant and go, yeah. So anyway, how are you doing? You know, I'm not. That's not what we do. It's a version. But some people think that Stephen Colbert is an absolute jerk because of the character he played on uh, on on uh, what the hell is the name of that show again? The new show he was on. Oh. Colbert Report. Oh, the Colbert Bear Report on. But what what was it on again? Was that on? Comedy Central show? Oh, it was Comedy Central. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, yeah, right. there you mm-hmm. go. But yeah, they, they take away, well, that guy's such a jerk. You know, it's like, it, was it's on comedy, it was on Comedy Central. That <laughs> says it all. Well, that's, yeah, there <laughs> you go. Show. Yeah, there you go. That's a, very good, that's a very good example. But yeah, I've heard that from other people. Well, again, I, Paul McCurio, a really good friend of mine, works for, he, he actually warms up the audience for the uh, for the late show, comes out and tells jokes and all the rest of it. And he just loves Stephen Colbert. Thinks he's a great, he just, same thing you said, nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he, Stephen Colbert. My feeling is, is that he just he just has that gift. You know, he's very he's very intelligent, but he's, he's you know humor. Has, you know, is such a such a uh, I don't know therapeutic thing to me. You know, um, to come, to put to put things in, in you know a funny perspective, and he's just brilliant at it. But you know, talk, just talking to him, you know, in between, he was just you know as gracious as you could have, could imagine. You know. I have a feeling his ratings aren't too high in your home state of North Dakota, though. No, probably not. <laughs> well. Probably not. No. <laughs> probably not. No, I don't think he's very well liked there. Boy, it is pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't, uh, probably not. You know, no. I, 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 I don't know politics, but yeah, I prob- probably, <laughs> it's kind of, it's a pretty conservative. Yeah, North Dakota is pretty much mm-hmm. one-way street. <laughs> no, not as much as it used to be. No, not as much as it used to be, though. It's pretty much Trump all the way. Yeah, it kind of is. Except Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> Fargo. Fargo's Minnesota. It's a college town, so I mean. Fargo. I, <laughs> yeah, right, right. The rest of North Dakota doesn't claim Fargo. No, they don't. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> they don't. They go, that's Minnesota. That's well, not that's ours. <laughs> Fargo, Minnesota. Most people okay. think Fargo is in Minnesota. So. Oh, Moorhead yeah, is. Moorhead, it's Moorhead right there. Is, yeah. I mean, it's right there. So the other Twin Cities. I, I like Fargo, though. Yeah. Oh, I do, too. It's a fun fun town. I couldn't agree more. So, Dave, you were wondering about how the younger generation is finding out about Eye of the Tiger? Uh, On IMDb, you can search what it's been in. It's been a lot. Uh, (laughs) So this is movies, video games, and episodes of TV shows. 
you search for Eye of the Tiger, you get 161,747 <laughs> results. Whoa. <laughs> I think there isn't a TV show on Earth that hasn't been. That's what I said. It's everywhere. It yeah. It's it everywhere. Is literally yeah, that's everywhere. Probably, that's probably true. Yeah. That's probably I, true. I, at some point, it, it, it comes up. That, that'll be funny. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I hear it on a daily basis. Any sort of training <laughs> montage, it's going to be in. Yeah, it's yeah, sure. yeah, that's true. It's everywhere. Yeah, that's true. I think I'll use it the next time I, like, I don't drink, but the next time I do drink, I'm going to just walk up to a guy in a bar and go, you want to meet the eye of the tiger? <laughs> just see what he, just look at me. Very, very you going to stalk your prey in the night? You'll probably gonna get st- a punch in the face if you oh, say that. Oh, I can't. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe even shot. For, for your trouble, you'll get a punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Dave, terrific. So, uh, now, your second solo album, when do you foresee that coming out? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I hate to make a prediction, but you know, it, I, I'm by the end of the summer. Uh, you good, know, good. And, and I, I think we, we, the guys at the record company talk about maybe we'll have an EP out first, like three songs. Yeah. Next, that would be much sooner. You know, in the next couple of months. You know, we get that out. Well, please, sure. please come back on the show when you put the, put out the EP or the full album. Please come back. We'd love to talk to you when you release it. Oh, I'd love to. You guys are the best. No, you, Dave. No, you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, you are a very good guest. You're a very interesting guy. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. No, you guys are the you guys are the best. You're a blast. It's really fun talking to you guys. Well, it's very you sweet. Love to come back. See, you're such a Minnesota North Dakota guy. We yeah. all fit together. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we got we got a lot more to talk about. Yeah, we yeah. do. I'll talk to you soon, Dave. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day, Dave Bickler, ladies and gentlemen. Eye of the Tiger, second solo album coming out in the summer. Maybe an EP in the next couple of months. Um. Nice guy. Just, just a hell of a nice guy. Nice guy. Just a good guy. You know, the, it, when people who move around the country a lot, they, they're just nicer people. They get they perspective. See, yeah, they see a lot of different things. That's yeah. true, yeah. It, it changes right. you. It does. It changes you. We shall take a break here in just a couple of seconds. Be back in the second uh, part. Uh, Mike Lindell will be our special guest in the second hour. Is he calling? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's calling. He's. I don't even know where he. he nobody knows where he is. Yeah. Ever anymore. <laughs> if I were him, I wouldn't want knows. anyone knowing where I am. Yeah. No, nah, pretty much. He has true. enough money to be anywhere he wants. Yeah, he does. Hey, he's probably on the moon. <laughs> that would be great. Come. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I'm up here. Hey, moon. if anybody would do it, it'd be, it'd be it Mike. Would be. That's true. <laughs> You're absolutely like right. They called me and said, "Do you want to go to the moon?" And I was like, yeah, "Why, why not? not? Why said, not? Why, of course, I, I need to go to the moon." Yeah. We'll Every Wednesday from 1 to 6. We will be back in just a couple minutes with the family. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Well, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family, which is what we did. Call 1 800 516 5146 or use promo code TOM, of course. 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. You'll also get deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including. The Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use promo code TOM. 
Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. I'm rocking out, that's all I have to tell you. I rocked yeah. out this weekend on the KQ 500 countdown. It was pretty good, except, for, the, except for the, the the last 10 songs. Why? Were they all by Queen? Yeah, it was really <laughs> <laughs> like, like every song, they played so many great songs, and the top 10 were like just the crap. The songs you are just done hearing. Yeah. Just we will rock you, and just mm-hmm. songs you just don't want to hear anymore. People yeah. love that. I know, yeah. I know, I know, but it's just songs that are so plant journey. The, the, oh, the don't, journey. Stop don't, don't stop loving me. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't, don't stop believing. Like, yeah. I'm tired of hearing these five songs. I know. But the rest of the weekend, the, you know what that was great? The first day of it. Because they're songs yeah. that were great that, you never, that they never play. Yeah. So they, yeah. that, the first day was like, man, they should play this song more often. Top 500, but not top 50. Right. Yeah. The first two, the first day and a half were just amazing because they were songs like Dead Lizzie and stuff that they, you never get to play right, on the radio. Right. But it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I don't know why they don't just take like their whole repertoire and just play it at random. If they did those 500 songs at random, that would man. Yeah, exactly. They should awesome. they shouldn't wait with, for popularity. No. Because when you wait it, like the more popular it is, the more you play it. That just kind of creates a feedback loop where you end up playing the same song. And I have to say, I listened to probably 90% of it, and I think ACDC, I think every song in Back in Black made the top 500. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, that's probably true. I think they did. I, I, I didn't write them down, but I was, I was noting them in my head. I think every song made it on the top 500, Back in Black. It's got to be one of the best albums ever. It's probably oh, one of the most consistently good albums it is awfully good. I remember when it came out, like, you got the death knell at the very beginning of the album. It's like, holy God. Well, it was certified. Let's see if you know this. How many times platinum was it certified? 17. More than that. 50. Not that many. 50 times platinum. I just thought I told Has anything been 50 times 20, platinum? 22. Close. 25. 25 well, I, only twice I think in the end, because rock and roll is coming to an end, unfortunately. It is. Um, I think ACDC will go down as the greatest rock band of all time. They might. 
I don't. With, I don't with know. Both lead singers, you think? Yeah, I don't think. I, I, I don't think who could top them. They have how many albums they have? It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and everyone knows every album. I know. There's not like an obscure one. I know that Cuban Americans in Florida love rock and roll. They yeah, do. They do. Yeah. Well, I mean, really Hispanics love, love rock. And, the last standing leg of rock and roll is Hispanics. All we need is a movie. That we need brings something. back, you know, to play some really and good I hate, rock and I hate roll, to say and people it. will be reintroduced to it. The role was better when it was just rock and roll. It was. It was a better role. They have 17 studio albums, by the way. Yeah, it's a lot. That's just the studio albums. Yeah. So and it's that's not, not including EPs and, yeah, and lives live. and all that kind of stuff. You know what I love about Brian the most? What? Lead singer. Every time I talk to him, well, he does, says this to everybody, not just me, but every time you talk to him, Tom, how you doing, me son? Everybody, me son a lot. How you doing, me son? But really nice man. Funny. How about the fact that he bought hey, me son Tom? I bought a Rolls Royce. You know, I bought it. <laughs> I said, no. Why did you buy it? Because the only time I'd be able to ride in it in the town in which I live, I'd have to be dead. It's a hearse. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really nice guy and he's funny. A great and guy. funny. He's very, very funny. funny, man. He's how a really much, nice guy. How much did Beyonce just pay for a Rolls Royce? Twenty-eight oh, million. Yeah. What? Why twenty-eight million for a car? Was it gold plated? No, it's just a car. It doesn't turn bill. into a plane or anything. No. Custom built. I don't. Twenty-eight million for it's a car. It's all cleaned out. Does it have the fold-down trays in the back? It's got lambskin and all kinds of stuff. Twenty-eight. Million for a car. For and this is the person car. that like lower class, lower middle class girls are idolizing. That's where all the money comes from. She's blowing exactly. millions of dollars on a car that she's probably going to drive one time. It's and they're all, all like, pers- she, well, she's like just you, like me. You it's all perspective. If you it. have billions of dollars, 28 million is nothing. Well, still. Yeah, well, that's true, I guess. Nothing. I mean, 28 million to some people is nothing. It's literally It nothing. is now, you're right. You have to make almost to 50 million after tax. You know, I just saw The COVID and the vaccine made, uh, I think the number, it had it, it put on eight more billionaires in the world, the vaccine did. It made eight I more people billionaires. Oh, yeah, and the people that were oh, involved yeah. with it that were already billionaires made an extra $30 billion on yep, average I don't on the vaccine. Oh, I bet you Pfizer didn't go up a penny for their stocks. Uh, they, some, they somehow never, ever get... Mm. I, I sold my Pfizer. They're a stupid, horrible company. I hate them. <laughs> well, that's like part of, part of the reason why... They I are. They're a no, shit company. Part of the reason that I don't want the vaccines is because the companies are so freaking crooked. Yes, they, well, they are. They made a lot of money, I'm like, I don't want you injecting anything in me. And no one no, Johnson no, and Johnson you, can't even get baby powder right. I'm you, not going to let you inject oh, anything in. That was a long time ago. You can't but figure still. out. There's no. I looked. How much is the taxpayers paying per injection? The, that number doesn't. Well, oh, it's huge. It doesn't well, exist. Trump gave them it. billions of dollars. That like that he bought it. You know, he gave he gave them the money so that they would make this vaccine. Right, and that was supposed to pre. I, somehow, it was a prepayment of some. That's why everybody gets it for free. Yeah, but they're selling it to the rest of the world. Yes, but but no one knows how much it costs. Well, no, of course no, not. Well, yeah, no, you never right. know anything. We'll find out in like anymore. seventy years when the records are unsealed, and it'll be like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But and then we'll forget. Well, about the shareholders it. should know how much it costs. Well, they're they? all getting very, very well. The shareholders, yeah, they're not telling anybody. No, but people are, get, are becoming billionaires off it. Billionaires. 
Yep. Oh, I'm telling they you, are. nothing like the suffering of others to make me a profiteer. I'm full on conspiracy <laughs> theory. Why don't mode you feel terrible? <laughs> no, I, well, there's a good reason to be full on conspiracy theory because everything's a conspiracy. A true. Conspiracy theorists when it comes to COVID. I'm like, it was created in a lab. Oh, it was. And it was all planned well, now out by all to, the nations. They're starting to say, oh, it actually might have been created in a lab. In 100%. The latest, the latest proof of that is when the couple doctors did get sick at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They got sick. We've known that, that since but, day but one. Yeah. After that day, there was 16 days of no cell phone service out of that building so that oh was evacuated God. they have that there's no pings out of that building zero for for t- over two weeks well weren't so they the spelunking in a bat cave yeah, yeah well they were they, they were talked doing. about that one guy who's like in his 30s and he was one of the main people yeah. developing covid and then he got sick and just like disappeared disappeared because well, he to was that? talking about it and then all yeah. of a sudden he got sick and died well what happened to the woman that the scientist that was telling everybody she's here oh she's an yeah but she like went in hiding no she's here in the states so what happened to her story she just gets discredited she yeah. just oh. gets she doesn't know what she's talking she's about she's an anti-vax she whack job yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, she has her first-hand experience. Yeah, she's, she's wacky. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's a lunatic. She's here in America. She's up yeah. in the D.C. area. We have a phone call. Who is it? Is it the lady? <laughs> Hello, Fauci? who is it? I guess Hello. It is. There it there is. We are. Hello. Uh, this is Mike Lindell. Who's this? Oh, oh my no. God, Mike! You call. I like it. You're calling in now. It works. For, what do you mean? Who's this? <laughs> well, it, told me, it told me to call. I got an alert on here. It says call 15 minutes before. Well, uh, no, no. You can I, be on. I, if you if you want to be on the rest of the show, you're more than welcome to come on. I, we got no problem, Mike. Yeah. How, how are you doing? I'm, now, is this is this show just audio, or is it? Do you guys need a need to Skype in or anything? Just audio. No, it's just audio. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Because uh, what's its face? What's took us face? down. What's the name of it, Andy? <laughs> Who took oh, us down? YouTube. YouTube, yeah. YouTube took yeah. us off. You're banned from YouTube. They found sure. out that I knew you, so okay. they took me off of YouTube. Can't be on YouTube. Yeah, thanks, Mike. <laughs> well, welcome, so welcome, to, welcome to FrankSpeech.com. We're going to get you up here. You'll be, you'll be seeing your face, smiling face soon. Well, I'm, yes, I'm glad to hear that Andy Andy's pretty <laughs> fired up about it as well. So, Mike, how have you been? You're, you've been traveling like a madman. I know that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've. Uh, it's been crazy. I'm just. Uh, I just got off the phone with uh, my. I, I'll tell you what. I don't know what my lawyer bills are going to be, but it's a lot. <laughs> oh, Mike, your, your attorney bills are going to be a little high. I, I had twelve say. of them. I had twelve of them on the phone the other day, oh. and then uh, this was for the other case. And Alan Dershowitz finally said, "I think for uh, for everybody's sake, we should get out this call because it was kind of going nowhere. Everyone was just kind of chiming in." Yeah. <laughs> Go, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. But, uh, uh, yeah, today we're getting ready because tomorrow's a big day, a big day for the country, too. Uh, we're we're uh, launching a lawsuit against Dominion and Smartmatic and and even their lawyers. So it's, uh, it's something else. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Did Andy, you ever... go back to law school right now so you can help defend <laughs> Mike. Hey, go to law school. Going to law school. Hey, hey, you guys, you know, you talk about, you talk about, you know, I was originally going to be a lawyer, but I didn't want to go to school that much. And a seat in my book, this is pretty funny. My mom, I got, I was over, you know, I grew up in Chaska and I got 
17 tickets on a motorcycle in two days outrunning the Chaska cops, right? <laughs> so I was 17 years old, and when you back in the day, until you're 18, you have to get a... Once you turn 18, you don't have to go through all the classes to get a motorcycle endorsement. Oh, okay. So I was riding with no license, just trying to wait till I turned 18. So every time the cops see me, I'd take off and get all these tickets. <laughs> well, here I got 17 tickets, and my mom and I are going to the... We're heading to the courthouse in the summer of, must in the summer of '79, whatever it was, and and I said, now, mom, whatever you whatever you do, tell him you don't want your boy tried as an adult. I said they're going to put me in jail. I said just tell him you want me tried as a as a minor, and uh, and I'll pay the fines and stuff. And my mom says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get in the courtroom. Man, sir, man, up there, Judge Man, I'll never forget it. And, and here. Um, he no more and all rise and sits down. It's not, I don't even think it was our turn. And my mom stands up and she goes, Your Honor, I am tired of my son getting him off, getting him off her, um, easy. I want him tried as an adult. And then I stand up and I go, Your Honor, I would like, what, if, if, she, if you try me as an adult, my mom should not have been here with me. Therefore, she sh everything she said should be stricken from the record. And I want to say she's a hostile witness. Who do you think you are in my courtroom, Lindell? Sit out. <laughs> well, he called you Lindell. I mean, he was used to you. There you go. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. My dad. And then, and then years, and then years later, I, I actually impersonated a lawyer seven times. Uh, to help my friends and stuff, and I would I dress up in a suit and just oh go make God. a deal with the prosecutor. I've done it a million times for myself, where you have paid prosecutors or paid paid lawyers to do it. So I did it seven times. Well, here I get before the same judge. This is twenty years oh, later, no. and I'm, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm in there for something, and he says, and he says, he says, um, I, I had made a deal, whatever it was, uh, something I had done illegal, and he says, but it was remain law abiding for one year, and I, and I said. He said, uh, no, it wasn't. It was not having any same or similar violations. And the judge says, Mike, can't you remain law-abiding for one year? And I said, that's not what the deal was. And then he goes, well, rumor has it. He goes, he goes rumor has it you were impersonating a lawyer in the, in the courtroom down the hall last week. And he goes, you do know that's against the law, right? And I go, well, and I said, well, there you go, Your Honor. I said, I said, I don't want to break the law by accident, like jaywalking or something. And then I said, these, you know, putting me under that kind of probation. Anyway, he got upset and put me under that. I had to remain law-abiding for one year. <laughs> How did it work? Did you suffer through it? Yeah, it was tough. I, I, I know, you know, back then, you know, well, back back then, you know, if you got if you got if you were driving and you had maybe had too much to drink or whatever and you went to the ditch you just reported your car stolen and yeah and uh, picked it up the next day and and uh so i you know i'm sure i didn't remain law-abiding but i did i don't think i got caught that year <laughs> you know it's amazing you know, Mike. You wised up <laughs> every time i talk to yeah him, yeah you know when you, t you, you talk well this is for the listeners when you're talking to mike lindell you learn something new every time you talk to him and then you go you know, this is a guy that's done very, very well. He never did anything right in his life until my pillow. <laughs> <That's about it. laughs> well, well, actually, actually, I did, but I owned places like bars. I mean, good place for an addict, right? You know. Yeah, and, perfect. Uh, <laughs> perfect. You know? I can't believe you I've know, never been yeah. arrested. 
No, I haven't either. Never been arrested. And I, I have a either. similar past. To, wow. I have a similar past to you, Mike. I was an addict, but I, I, I yeah, just Yeah, but was you lived lucky. on the West Coast, so I mean. Yeah, so no. everybody was an addict. And, yeah. I, and I had money. A little different out there. <laughs> That's a big difference. Being a rich addict and being a poor actor are different. That is Getting true. arrested. Yeah, it is. That is true. <laughs> You guys want to know, you know, it's funny because there are a lot of people that were functioning addicts back in the day that never got arrested. And, and But I, I will tell you this. Now, when I, I didn't have my driver's license for probably 25 years where I had, I had a license in 49 states, but I didn't have one in Minnesota. They would, uh, they didn't have computers that crossed over then. So you could, I went down and got an Iowa license and I'd run around with that. But anyway, this is, is pretty interesting in that. It was about 2000, I think, 9 or 10. It must have been late 2009 when I quit everything by the grace of God on January 16, 2009. I go down to the state of Minnesota to get my driver's license back, finally, permanently, right? And uh, so I get it back. The guy goes, you know, you haven't had your driver's license for like uh, 20-some years. I said, really? Tell me about it. I knew they had, you know, give me my license. So. He gives me my license now. I mean, there's nothing he could do. I, I had done all the stuff to get it back finally. And, and so I get the license. Now, you guys got to realize this. I had never had a speeding ticket in my life. Okay? So here, here I go out, and now i got a legal license, right? And I'm not driving drunk or, or high. Well, I'm speeding up the storm, and I get four speeding tickets in a week. Uh-oh. So now I head down. They take, they take my driver's license, and I go down there, and here's the guy. And he goes, he goes, um, he goes, I don't get this. You've never had a speeding ticket, and now you get four in a week. And I said, well, let me tell you. I said, I said, I was always driving, you know, using, and I said, I was always so careful not to speed because I was either high or drinking. Yeah, over-cautious. And I said, and so, so I was cautious, and I yeah. said, now that I don't have, now that I don't drink or do drugs anymore, I figured I'd just pay the fines. And he said, he goes, you know what? That's probably the most honest answer I've ever heard. He goes, I'm going to give your license back. But he said, that's not how it works. We're going to pull your license. You can't get like three in one year and three, four and five and all this stuff. So anyway, I learned a little bit. It's funny because I, I had the exact same thing happen. I, I didn't have a license for like 20 years because I was an addict. And then I finally got a Minnesota license. It took me forever because the computers came on board and they didn't have, they said I had tickets, but they couldn't find the tickets because they were paper. Oh, so yeah. I finally got it figured out and I got my license back and I said, you know what? Um, they said, when I, I got stopped somewhere and the cop goes, you've never had a ticket? I'm like, nope, I've never had a ticket in my life. <laughs> and I had hundreds of tickets. But with the new license, it, it, the computers came out, so I wasn't on computer yet. So they said, you've never had a ticket. Right, I go, no. So after that, I made sure I never got a ticket. So I'd have a perfect record. Right. So you did the opposite. Right on, right. <laughs> yeah, I did the opposite. Yeah, you did the opposite. But I, I get the overcautious <laughs> thing as being an addict and then having that freedom to speed again because you don't have dope on you. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I get it. God, what a world. What what kind of people do I hang out with, for God's sake? And you know what? Mike, we have something else in common. I also got clean in 2009. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, God bless you. When did I? It was 2000. I'll never forget it. I was in a hotel room, and I just got a VHS tape sent to me from L.A. with an ounce of Coke in it. And I had it on a, on the bathroom vanity, and a friend of mine was coming from Toronto to see me, 
And and he said, can I use the bathroom? I said, yeah. And I went in there, and he was sitting on the vanity looking at a, something in his eye, right on the Coke. And I, oh, and, and, I was, and he was one of my best friends, and I was, oh. I was so mad because it took me like a week to get that Coke. And because the Coke in Minnesota was no good. I had to get it from L.A. Because uh-huh. you, you cooked it here, nothing came back. So I was getting it from L.A. And then I, was so, I got so mad at him, and I, I felt like crap. And I said, that's it. And I pushed it all in the toilet, and I never touched it again. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And that, I'm talking wow. f- 10 to 15 years of, of right. five just dabbling and freebasing and 10 hardcore don't leave my house in L.A. for a year at a time. Then, right. Wow. That's the way life should work. Free- you, got into the, you, got into, you got into the crack, too, then. Oh, it's freebasing, yeah. Freebasing? Is oh, that yeah, shooting yeah, up? No. I that's when you anything. take a spoon and no, you... No, you cook no, all the junk okay. out of it and you get 100% pure cocaine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Richard Pryor. You're, that's it. Yeah, you get the you get the paranoia staring out the windows. Oh yeah, <laughs> sounds like a great time. Yeah, exactly. I had a gun in my hand. Yeah, I can no, see why you want to do it. For two years, I had a gun in my hand looking out the window. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, I know. Every you know, and it's across the board. Once you once you get the paranoia, they never they that you always get them. And they, uh, I uh, I told my story. You know, I said I was downtown Minneapolis, and. Um, the drug dealers did an intervention on me. They actually, I came out of the bedroom. I've been up for, I had been up for almost, almost two weeks, and I had a warrant out for my arrest. And, and I came out of the bedroom, and I said, "What do you guys all know each other?" And, and they knew of each other, but they had never met. And they both, they all controlled different sections down there. They were, they were the pretty, pretty big dealers. And they, I go, "What's going on?" The one guy goes, "Yeah," he says, uh, "He says you've been up for." Joe says, "You've been up for two weeks." He said. You're, um, we're cutting you off. And I said, what is this, an intervention? He says, call it whatever you want, Mike. And and two of them left. Now, I didn't know. I found out this years later, the one guy that he owned the apartment, and he went down and he got the word out in the street. He said, if you uh, see some crazy white guy with a mustache, you sell him any, any drugs, we're coming after you. Well, Ooh. about two in the morning, the other, the last guy fell asleep, and I was already carpet farming. You know, I'm on my knees trying to, you yeah. know, smoking pieces of peanuts. You know, and uh, you know, you've been there. And um, no, I haven't. <laughs> I, I found a way to test those carpet, those carpet farmers. You just touch it with yeah, a lighter yeah, and yeah. see if it melts like wax, and then it's coke. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Well, anyway, God. yeah, and scraping the pipe, and I look over, and he's asleep. Well, I creep down to the streets of Minneapolis, and you know, you know, in the middle of the night, it's like bees. Everybody's out there dealing drugs, doing drugs, and and I couldn't buy crack anywhere. Well, then I started going out blocks further out. Well, then I started offering a hundred dollars for five dollars worth. Well, then you know, no one's going to sell me because they think they're either it's a cop, setup or yeah, you're some you know, whack whack job, a cop. So yeah. I was kind of my own worst enemy there. Well, I get back upstairs an hour later, and. Uh, and I, he's waiting up for me, and he handed me, he said, give me that phone. How'd that work out for you? He said, I'm going to take a picture for that damn book you're gonna, that you've been telling us you're going to write someday. And he goes, here's what he said. He goes, you've been telling us for years that this my pillow thing is just a platform for God, and you're going to come back someday and help us all out of this addiction after you quit and help us out of this addiction world we're living in. Well, two of them are born-again Christians now work for me, and uh and I have come up with the Lindell Recovery Network and helping all these people. So it's kind of yeah. come full circle. That's awesome. They've, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, being, they, uh, being an addict sucks. 
We oh, yeah. And it's a lot of work. I tell people. I tell people all the time, you know, I have, you know, I didn't quit that day. I came, I came, it was like December. It was well, January 16th. But my buddy came to me that following December, and he had been my equal in every way. We had both done cocaine at the same time in the 80s, switched to crack in the early 2000s. And, and, uh, but I heard he had found the Lord and been freed of it for four years. And he came in out of nowhere, and I'm staring at the ceiling with nothing left in the world, and, and my pillow is just a little blip on the radar. And he says, I said, Dick, what are you doing here? And he goes, now remember, he'd been straight for four years. I hadn't seen him. And uh, he goes, he goes, the Lord let me here. What's going on? And I said, well, as long as you're here, I said, I got some questions. I said, Dick, is it boring? He said, no, man, it ain't boring. But you know what I mean is I... I've been to so many treatment centers, but I respected what, how he made it through. I called him my hope match. I drilled him. I said, well, is it boring? Is it this? Is it that? And asking him all these stuff. And, and as you know, uh, you know, addiction is such hard work. I tell people, boy, you get an addict set free, they're ready to set the world on fire because they, addiction is the hardest work there is. I mean, you're right. trying to get it and, the parent, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it. But, but so my in my network now I have the lindellrecoverynetwork.org you you actually put in your age you put in your addiction and then it and then all these people come up to your age that have made it through and you being a former addict I mean you see how powerful that is what I tell people all the time addicts don't care about other people's bottoms they think they're, mm-hmm. if I hear about someone else's bottom I go well you know I ran over six people and uh, and I you know I get, got help and you know you know they Whatever it is, I either think I'm worse than them or I'm not as bad as them. But what an addict can relate to is the commonality of the drug and that they made it through. It's like a hope match. Like what I just said to you, you we talk about the paranoias of crack and the, and the carpet farming. Other people listening might not know a thing about it, but all the crack addicts <laughs> that are listening right now, they're, they're going, wow, I've been there and these guys have made it through. We're their hope matches. You follow me? Yeah. I mean, they're going, yeah. wow, those yeah, guys have right. been where I've been, where I've been. They've been where I've been, and they made it through, you know? No, Mike, do you, uh, do you have more time? I need to take a quick break here for just about three, four minutes. Do you have more yep. time to be with oh, us? Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, 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 I got time. Excellent. Man. We'll take a break. Oh. L.A. Nick's here. Mike Lindell's here. We're going to hear more about we'll talk crack. <laughs> we'll talk crack coming up next. We'll be back crack, with crack Mike. Talk, crack talk. Crack, crack talk, talk, baby. And we're going to talk about a, a special event that's coming up in just about 10 days. We'll talk about that, too, yep. right after this with the family.